Hi, God bless you, church. Let us pray together. It says in Matthew 12, 21, In his name, in the name of Christ, the nations will put their hope. Romans 15 reminds us the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, Revelation chapter 21 says this, and this is a hope and a promise to each and every single Christian who are undergoing trials and sufferings in this world. It is a hope, the words that we hope in, that we hold on to. And Christ says to us today that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He will make everything new. So God, as we're entering the season of Advent, as last week was the season of Thanksgiving, Lord, we shift our minds and our attitude and our soul and our spirit towards the good things that you have in store for us in Advent. Lord, we remind ourselves that God, that it's not just about the birth of Christ, but it's about the preparation of the second advent that is coming, of the second coming of Christ. So God, I pray that in this dark, dark world, that our hope will be found in Christ and in Christ alone. Lord, allow your light to shine in the darkness, for your light lives within us, O oh God. So help us to be the salt and the light of this world. Wherever we are, wherever we step in, Lord, won't you use us as your vessel to be your hands and your feet as your mouthpiece, to bring glory, the kingdom of God in the places where you have called us to be. So God, we pray for our families, our homes, our workplaces, our schools. Lord, I pray, Lord, wherever we are, wherever you have placed us in, that we'll be faithful in this journey in this one life, one chance that we have. So God, I pray now as you transition to the message, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, may be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For you, O Lord, you are our rock and our true redeemer. We thank you, we love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Uh, let's take a moment to greet one another at this time. It's good to see everyone here today. I think Louis and Dan, you guys, were you guys having a contest with your hair? <laughs> now, in the following weeks, starting today, I am going to talk to you about the advent of Christ. So today will be number one. So, for example, today is the intro to Advent, which is today, the 28th, November 28th. And then next week, number two, is the Advent of Christ in Bethlehem. We're going to talk about the first Advent, 
when Jesus Christ was born in the town, in a small town called Bethlehem, and that's next week. And then the week after that, number three, will be the advent of Christ in our daily lives, in our lives, every day, today, right now, how we're supposed to live with the advent in our hearts, how to live with the advent of Christ in our hearts every single day. And then after that, which is the week of Christmas, number four is going to be called the advent of Christ in his return, which we're going to talk about the second advent, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Right now, Christmas is the first advent, and the advent that we're all waiting for as Christians is the second coming, the return of Christ, as is mentioned in the book of Revelation. And that will be the final week of Advent. So Advent are four Sundays before the actual day of Christmas, Christmas Day service that we will have here at the church. So for us who are new to this, let's just get down to Advent 101, okay? So what exactly is Advent? And today the message is going to be very different from what you're normally used to. Normally I do points with sub-points, but it's going to be very short. Again, this is just introduction to Advent. I want us to have a full understanding of what Advent is. So what exactly is Advent? You could open up your calendars. You could open up your phones if you want. Just for that time, don't go on Instagram. So if you open up the calendars, it's four Sundays starting today leading up to Christmas Day service. So let me just open up the calendar here. Today is the 28th, November 28th. The week after that, today is 1st. The week after that is December 5th. It's the second advent. December 12th, 12, 12, 21 is going to be the third advent. And then the 19th, December 19th, will be the last and the fourth advent, which leads to what? The 24th, which is Christmas Eve. And then the 25th, which we will all have service together at the church on the 25th Christmas Day service. So that's just the basic information for us to understand of what Advent is. So what is the definition of Advent? It says Advent is the coming and the arrival of what? A notable person, thing, or event. It's the first season of the church year leading up to Christmas and including the four preceding Sundays, which I just talked about. So cinnamon word for Advent is coming, arrival, and appearance. So we're waiting for a notable person, and in this case, his name is Jesus Christ. He already came. We're just celebrating his birthday when he came to this earth to be born in a manger, in a dirty manger, as a child, as an infant, to be born on this earth, to live a life, a human life, an earthly life, fully God, fully man, 30 years at the age of 30, starting his ministry at the age of 33, dying on the cross. We're celebrating the birth and the life of Jesus Christ, which is the first advent of Christmas of the season as Christians that we're in. So there are two Advents. Like I said, the first Advent is 
Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ. And his birth, it was prophesied over and over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ, he fulfilled every single one of this prophecy of his birth. From all the minor prophets to the, major, to the major prophets to all the prophets, the book that was written in the Old Testament, it was written about Christ, prophesied over his life, all throughout the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ, when he was born, he fulfilled every single one of the prophecies. Jesus could not have fabricated this because he cannot choose, a person cannot choose when or how or what type of family that they want to be born in. But for Jesus Christ to be born perfectly 400 years later after the book of Malachi, 400 years of darkness, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. After Malachi, there were 400 years of darkness, meaning people were seeking after God. There was no light. Everything was dark. There was no true word of God that was being spoken. And then Jesus Christ comes into the picture and the book of gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they record this event of the life and the birth of Jesus Christ. That is the first event. For Jesus Christ to fulfill all the prophecy in the Old Testament, literally the state of Texas, if you take a bunch of coins and stack it up maybe a few feet high, I mean, that's a lot of coins. And if you were to take one coin and mark it with a cross, and if you put it in a blender, mix everything up, and a person who is blind, they come, or a person with their eyes closed, and they were to choose the coin with the cross on it, the odds of that being fulfilled, that was, that was the odd of Christ being born, him fulfilling all the prophecies in the Old Testament. That's why when Jesus came onto this earth, it brought about tremendous joy and tremendous hope, for it was not fabricated or done by any humankind or for any human beings, but it was the work of God. For what? To save us from the life of sin, from death. That's why it brings about tremendous joy and tremendous hope. And that is why we celebrate Christmas. It's a reminder to us of the first birth, the birth of our King, our Lord, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's the first advent, Christmas. The second advent is the end, the end. The end times. The end will come no matter what. And this is where Christ will come to judge the world. It's the second coming of Christ to judge the world. And we should all rejoice and at the same time be fearful towards God. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Who will judge the living and the dead. And understanding the Advent, that there are two Advents, one is Christmas, second Advent is the end. We must put that in perspective of the phrase, the lion and 
the lamb. What does it mean when I say the lion and the lamb? So in the first advent, what I just mentioned, Jesus, as he advented to the world through the virgin birth, cradled in a blanket like an innocent lamb. So when Jesus was born in a manger, who lives in a manger? Animals. So a symbol of Jesus being born as an infant, cradled in a blanket, and that's what you do with a lamb. You take an innocent lamb, and in the Old Testament, they will come and they will sacrifice the blood of the lamb as an atonement for the sins. That's why in Exodus, when they came and they put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, it says the spirit of death, what? They passed over for those who had the lamb, the blood of the lamb, they were saved. So when Jesus first came as the first advent, he came as an innocent lamb, as a symbol of his blood and his sacrifice. So that's why we call him the Lamb of God. It says in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. This is John the Baptist, not John the one who wrote the book of Revelation. This was the older brother of Jesus. He says, look, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Why would he call him the Lamb of God? How can he even have a revelation like this to call Jesus Christ the Lamb of God? It's a symbolism of his birth, being born in a manger. If you look at the manger, maybe it will be like a size of this, a little bigger. Not made out of wood, but made out of stone. It would be dirty because the animals would be eating the food out of it. You could imagine Joseph going and cleaning out the manger, all the animal filth. Remember, this is Jesus Christ. His name is the Messiah. Putting the birth, the baby Jesus on a manger, a symbol of a lamb that's about to be slaughtered to die on the cross for us. That's why he is called the Lamb of God. It's the blood that comes from the sacrifice of the Lamb that saves us as the blood saved the Israelites in Egypt when they were slaves in Egypt and all the households who did not have the blood of the Lamb on the doorframe, their firstborn died. Death came over that family. But as Christians, when we have the blood of the Lamb, when we have the Lamb of God in our lives, the spirit of death passes over us, and we have life for all of eternity because of the blood, the blood of Christ, the blood of the Lamb. We cannot have Good Friday which is the death of Jesus Christ without Easter, without his resurrection. Because Muslims, they believe that he did not die on the cross. They believe that he was born, but they don't believe that he rose again from the dead. We cannot have Easter without Christmas, without the birth of Christ. He is known as the Lamb, the Lamb of God. Look, the Lamb of God. Look, the Lamb of God. Who what? takes away the sin of 
the world, the Lamb of God. How can a lamb take away the sin of the world? It's to fulfill the prophecy of the story that was told in Exodus chapter 12 of when the Israelites put the blood of the lamb on the doorframe w i t h the spirit of death passed over them and they were saved. It's a story of grace and mercy to us. It's, a, it's the blood of Christ, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Of Jesus Christ. What can wash away your sins? Nothing but the blood of the Lamb, the Lion, and the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb of God. In the story of Exodus 12, Moses he says this, he tells us an instruction. gives instructions to his community, to his people. He says, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a what? A lamb for his family, one for each household. Skipping to verse 12, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood, the blood of the Lamb. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, when I see the blood of the Lamb, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you. When I strike Egypt, amen. Do you have the blood of the Lamb? Do you? Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7 says, this is one of the prophecies that's written about Jesus. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. This is one of the forbidden Isaiah's. that the Jews, they try to skip over. I mean, who is this person, this Messiah? Again, Jesus is not born yet. This is the prophet Isaiah saying to the people, he, who is he? We know as Christians, as Christ, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. And when Jesus went on that cross, when he was getting beaten, Whipped. It's not a whip where it sticks to the skin with bones and things that's attached to it. When you pull it, the flesh, chunks of flesh will come out. Your organs being exposed. Yet he did not open his mouth, the gospel tells us. He did not open his mouth. Even when people wrongly accused him, he remained silent. And what does it say? He was like a what? A lamb to the slaughter. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. The lamb. It goes on. Let's read verse 2 to 6, Isaiah 53. 
He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. What does that mean? It's like a plant that will flourish when there is no water, where there is no healthy, fertile soil. Jesus literally, he flourished in a region, in a time where everything was dark. Again, it was 400 years of darkness after the book of Malachi. Jesus was the light. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Do you know the first people that Jesus went to when he was born? Well, he didn't go to, but the people that saw and recognized Jesus as the Messiah, do you know who they were? It was the shepherds. Shepherds were the outcasts and the rejects of that society during that time. The shepherds were the ones who recognized Jesus and saw Jesus as the Lamb of God. And they went and visited and they paid homage to this king. And his name was Jesus Christ. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Imagine a king being born in such condition. Every inn in the area, in the region, rejected him and his family. And Joseph finally finds a manger. Not a place fitting for a human being to live. As a lamb. A symbol of sacrifice. No beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held them in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. All pierced, he received. And crushed, he became on the cross on that faithful day. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He is the great shepherd, the lamb of God. Amen. Isaiah 53 verse 10 says, Yet it was the Lord's will to what? To crush Crush his only begotten one and only son and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, 
Jesus was a lamb as an offering for sin, as the blood was made for the Israelites in the Old Testament in Exodus. For them to survive, Jesus was a lamb, the blood that saves us from the life of sin. Only the blood of Christ can save us from the life of death, of sin, in this dark, dark world. That's what it means when we talk about the lamb, the lion and the lamb, the lamb of God. Behold the lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world, as John the Baptist said. Then what does it mean by the lion? First Peter 5 also says the devil is like a prowling lion looking for someone to devour, right? But the key phrase there in the line is, he is like a roaring lion. He is a counterfeiter. He pretends to be a lion. It's like a cat who thinks it's a lion, right? With the hair and everything. It's just cute, but it's just a cat at the end of the day. Jesus Christ is the true lion and the lamb. And that represents the second advent. The lamb represents the first advent, the birth of Christ, him coming on to this world, in this scene, in this dark world, to die right on the cross for us to live a life, to be born of a virgin birth. But the lion comes with authority and power and might of God. He came into this world broken, as a human being, vulnerable, in the hands of human beings, being helpless as an infant, depending on the care of his family, his people, the people around him, in his community. But now Jesus Christ, after his death and his resurrection, as he ascended to the heavens, he will come one day, the second heaven, and he will come as a lion with power and might and with authority and with judgment. In his full glory and in his full power, he will come. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. Revelation chapter 5, 5 says this, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Do not weep. The who? The lion. The tribe of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, because Jesus came from the lineage of King David. He has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and his seven seals. The lion, do not weep. The lion is here and the lion is coming. The true lion of God. That's why we understand as Christians during the season of Advent that Jesus is both the lion and the lamb. The lamb of God who died on the cross as an atonement. When I say atonement, I'm talking about sacrifice. A sacrifice for another life. I will give my life if you save that person, that life, that person, the life that's in jail. 
atonement, as a sacrifice, my life for your life. Just imagine you sitting in prison, you know, with this whole written house case and people going to jail. And imagine yourself, you're innocent, and you're sitting in jail. A person comes and says, I will give my life for this person's life. With no bail, no nothing, no strings attached, the door opens and you go out free. It's not just mercy because mercy is we deserve the full punishment, but mercy is maybe if we deserve 40 years, then mercy is maybe we get 10 years. We get 30 years minus subtracted from it, and then we serve only 10 years. That's mercy. That's the mercy of God. But the grace of God is everything. Your life for my life. He takes all the 40 years, the depth that I have, the depth of sin that I have, as I talked about last week. And he takes it on our behalf. Sacrifice. Atonement. For the sins of the whole world. To every single human being. And at the same time, Jesus, he is the Lion of Judah. Which means the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the Alpha, the beginning, and Omega, the end. With full authority, everything being under his dominion, his power, and his might. So whenever you think about Advent, Think about arrival, appearing, appearance, coming of a notable person. He already came as a lamb. That's the birth that we celebrate, the blood of Christ, the blood that will save us from the life of sin. And then the second advent, the second coming, the end the second coming of Christ with power and might and with judgment as the lion, as the lion. And that's what I want you to remember every year. As long as you live, how many years, we don't know, maybe two more Christmases, three more Christmases. Or maybe if we're blessed, ten more years. Don't be deceived by your youth because you think you'll live forever. Life ends every single day. And our end will come. And I will take that final breath on this earth. Whenever Christmas comes around, don't think about the holidays, the gifts, the trees, the food, the fellowship. Yes, those are all extra good things. But don't forget the true meaning of Advent, of what Christmas is all about. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about his life, his birth, him fulfilling all the prophecies in the Old Testament, and who he was and who he is, and that he will come back 
to judge the living and the dead. This time he will not be a helpless lamb. As it says in Isaiah 53, he will come in full power and full authority in the book of Revelation. And that's the end. You want to know how it ends? Pay attention to what's happening in the Middle East. Pay attention to what's happening in Israel. Pay attention to what's happening right now. We don't know when the end is, but we are near. And we must look to God. We must trust in Him and hold on to Him. And remind yourself the phrase this week and this season that we're in, the lion and the lamb. Amen? Remember that. Don't forget that. Jesus Christ, He is the lion and the lamb. And I'll be closing with this. Like I said, a different type of message. Normally you used to structure and points. I mean, this was structured too. But I just wanted to speak from my heart and for me to really help you understand what Advent means. Because I feel and I know that a lot of Christians, they don't understand what Advent is. They don't understand what it represents. They don't understand the meaning behind the sacrifice, the life and the death of Jesus Christ, the price and the blood that he shed for us. Remember, all the good things are good things, but there are extra things. But let's keep the main thing the main thing. His birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection his ascension and his dissension when he will come back to judge the living and the dead, the second advent, the second coming of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came, he not only shifted history, the physical calendar of this world from B.C. to A.D., right? We know Anno Domini, meaning after Christ. A.D. means after Christ. But he shifted the history for all of eternity. For the living and the dead. He was fully man and fully God. And we understand he was born in a manger. Condition where it's not even healthy even for animals to live or to be born at. We understand that Jesus is born in a poor condition. Jesus was not born in a castle, but was born in humility. Born of royalty, yes, by blood he is of royalty, but not born in a luxurious castle. And I mentioned earlier that before his birth, after the book of Malachi, the last book of the Bible, that there were 400 years of darkness, 400 years of silence. We call it the 400 years of silence and darkness because God did not speak. Because God has something greater in store and a plan for all of humanity. It's a promise that was given from the beginning from Genesis 
to the end of Revelation is the birth of Christ. The birth of King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Jesus, when he was born, Rome was the dominant power, was the powerhouse during that time. Jerusalem, which is in the land of Israel, the promised land, was just a puppet state ruled by a puppet king, Herod the Great. Herod the Great did amazing things physically, yes. He built the aqueduct. He built amazing things, architectures and all that. But spiritually, he was not the true king because he came from the line of Esau, not Jacob. Who is Esau and Jacob? You know the story of Esau and Jacob. Esau is the one, Harry. Jacob is the one, the, the twins that were born, Harry and Jerry. Grabbing by the heel, he lied his way. He tricked his brother to get the blessing, to steal the blessing, because usually the firstborn receives all the blessing. But Jacob is the one that sought after God, and that is why he was chosen. And Jacob, from the line of Jacob, from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all the way to Ruth, to David, to now, to the lineage of Jesus Christ being born. From Rahab. Herod the Great came from Esau, not Jacob. But Jesus Christ, he came from Abraham to Jacob. All the way up until he was born. Meaning he was the true spiritual king. Rome is the power, the powerful powerhouse during that time. How can this little lamb, this little Jesus, how can he change the whole world? How? Because he is the lion and the lamb. The lion and the lamb. Many churches during that time, but not real worship. Temples everywhere. Churches everywhere. I mean, it's good to have a lot of churches, right? It's good. But if they're all dead churches, what's the point? Too much of anything and everything usually turns bad. Right, Angela? White blood cells? The temple, the church had no power because there was too many. Too many synagogues forming everywhere. Claiming that they have the word of God when they do not have the word of God. They taught whatever they wanted to teach, full of compromises. The temple has no meaning because the spirit of God wasn't there. Leaders, there are many fake leaders during this time. Power hungry, hoarding leaders when Jesus was born. Do you understand the grain? that Jesus had to fight against during this time. Who is this little child? This king who is born in a manger, witnessed first by the shepherds, by the outcasts of society. Who is this individual? You want to know this king? His name is Jesus Christ. 
the author and the perfecter from the beginning to the end who existed, who is God. He is here today to give you life and to give you life to the full. Churches were corrupt. The priests were corrupt. The believers were corrupt. There was no revelation from God. And during that time, people were desperately waiting for the Messiah. The Old Testament individuals were waiting for the Messiah. Messiah means the Savior. When is the Savior going to come and save us? Save me from this life. People growing tired of these religious institutions. No real faith, no genuine faith inside the church. Everyone feeling hopeless, beyond hopelessness. Life being too difficult to live. People died by the age of three, 50% of people because, again, there were no medicine back then. Famine, drought, disease. Three-quarter of their life, they were sick. There was injustice, hunger, and death. And that was the natural way of life when Jesus was born. There was no reason to celebrate. Life was very sad. But God, he was speaking throughout history to the people, and he's speaking to you and to me. And God is saying, be ready. Be ready. He is here. Jesus Christ is here. And he will come back to judge the living and the dead. The brightest light will shine in the darkest of situations. I'll say that again. The light will shine. The brightest light will shine in the darkest of situations. If you're in the dark today, please allow Jesus Christ to be that light in your life. And it is in your darkness, and it is in the darkness of this world, of what was happening during that season after the book of Malachi. It is within the darkest of the nights where Christ came and his light entered the world. I pray that your hearts will illuminate the light of Christ today. That in your dark path and in your dark situation, that he will bring you light and bring you hope this year and this season. Keep your head up. Look to God. Look to Christ. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And he has called you and he knew you before you were even born, when you were in your mother's womb. I set these three scriptures in the beginning. But it says this, Matthew 12, 21. In his name, the nations will put 
their hope. Romans 15, 12, 13 says, The root of Jesse will spring up. Jesse is the father of David. It's talking about the lineage of Jesus Christ. The root of Jesse will spring up. The one who will rise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. Who are the Gentiles? It's you and me. Anyone who is not a Jew. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In closing with this, the last scripture, Revelation 21.4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away in other words he will make everything new once again let's pray together Heavenly Father, as the weather outside is dark and as this room, the sanctuary gets dark when we turn off the lights, and as our light is shining on the stage by these beautiful lights that we have, it doesn't compare to the light of Christ that illuminates within us. Lord, you are the light that shines for all of eternity. From the beginning to the end, your light has always been shining. Help us to see and understand your light and to be like the shepherds who saw you in the manger lying down, to know you as the King and as the Messiah and as our Lord. Let us not become blind by the media, by the lights and the Christmas trees and the presents and the fellowship, all that stuff, they are good things, but Lord, they are not the main thing. Those are good things, but the main thing is the main thing, which is Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So God, may your light shine within us. Help us to know and understand the season that we're in and to hold on to you with all that we have. I pray for those who are here today and who are undergoing trials and suffering, even in their own homes and in their own personal life. They may be in a dark place right now, but Lord, you will never leave us in the darkness. You extend your hand and you draw us out of the drowning waters just as you rescued Peter. When Peter focused on his circumstance, he fell down and started to sink into the sea. 
But Lord, you are the one who extends your hand and will bring us back safely onto the boat. You are on the boat with us in this journey called life. Lord, may us, may we truly have the humility and the sensitivity to be able to know and to know that you are near and that you draw near to the brokenhearted. So God, guide us today in all that we do. Help us to honor you. Help us to live for you. Lord, forgive us of our sins by the blood of Christ that was shed for us and by the cross that represents your death and your resurrection. It is by the blood that our sins are washed away. It is by knowing and believing in the name of Christ that we are saved. So God, we look to you, Jesus. We stand before the cross, not by our own works, but by the cross of Jesus Christ. We need you today desperately. We cannot do it on our own strength. Come have your way within us. Strengthen us today. Lead us. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things in your precious Son. Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. At this time, I want to invite the praise team to please come up. And then let's end the service before we do our offering prayer with a praise, with worship. If you could all stand to your feet with me. And let's just worship the Lord at the place where you call and know the love of God and the kindness of God and the presence of God that covers us with peace and with joy, especially during the season that we're in, in this Advent leading up to Christmas. Amen? Let us sing together.
Let's pray together. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lord, we remember you who came to this earth as an innocent lamb, blameless, pure, and holy in all his might. You came and you died on the cross for us. We celebrate your birth and the life that you lived, Jesus. We thank you for the change, not just in history, not just for all of eternity, but where we are right now in 2021. In my little life that I am living here on this earth, that you are faithful and you changed my life. You changed it from B.C. to A.D. You changed it upside down. Changed it fully. My life is no longer mine, but it is yours, O oh Lord. 180, you have changed it, and I can never go back to who I was or who I used to be. I will live the rest of my life in this short life that I have, that you have given me, to live for your kingdom and for your glory and for your name alone. And remember today, as it says in Revelation 5, 5, the lion and the tribe of Judah. Remember you, Lord, the lion and the lamb. For one day, no more death, no more tears, but Lord, you will make everything new. You'll restore all things for your glory and for your kingdom. So God, strengthen us today. Speak to us today. Help us to live for you today. Please watch over us during the season of Advent. We love you. We honor you. Pray all these things. In your precious, precious, precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And as God's people, we pray. Amen. And amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this beautiful Sunday and for blessing us with this space and with the message delivered to us through Reverend Andrew this morning. Lord, during this first week of Advent, we are reminded of how you first came into this world as an innocent baby born in a manger. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, you came to die on our behalf to make your life an offering for our sin. Through your blood and your sacrifice, we are saved, and in our gratitude and in our love for you, we place our trust in you and devote our lives to you. We also joyfully await your second coming as a triumphant lion in your full power and in your full glory when you will come to judge the world. Although we should be dead in our sins, we have been given new life, and so with every breath that we have, wherever we are and whatever we do, we will continue to worship you, for you are our light, our joy, and our hope. At this time, we lift this offering up to you, thankful for all that you have done for us, and pray that it will be used to further your works and to bring glory to your name. Please continue to watch over each of our members and protect them and their families this week. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>